I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Shearer's deep down, he must be thinking, ah, it's the man, it's a bit nervous, it's a bit nervous, you know what I mean? I'm a bit nervous, a bit shaky, you know what I mean? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? <laughs> everyone and welcome to Writer's House on Ring RC. Hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to talk a bit about Everton's struggles after their 5-0 defeat to Spurs. Also today, the FA and Barclays are hosting the biggest ever football session across the UK to get as many girls as possible playing football on the same day. We'll talk about that and also a little bit about Bukayo Saka and Arsenal. And my guests are the wonderful Flo Lloyd Hughes and Mr. Moayo Quadri. How are you guys and girls? Wait, it's the, it's the Young House edition. It's the Young yeah. House, yeah, man. It's I'm in now. It's Wright's House Junior edition. <laughs> it's like CBeebies now. Gonna, We're gonna go. Gonna say, do you remember when you had S Club, S Club Seven? Then S- they did the what was yeah. the Junior one called again? S Club Juniors. We're S, S Club Juniors, Juniors now, man, and they all look like them. Yeah, they were like mini me's. <laughs> do you know? So, so the, the awards last night. Did you kind of like? You kind of went in. Was it cool? Was it okay? Um, was, well, my first, Emma. my first thing I would say was there were a lot of people there. There were yeah. 700 people. I haven't seen that many people. Wow. I don't think since 2019 <laughs> in one room. Like, because going to a football match doesn't count. But when you see that many people like sitting down talking to each other, you're just like, ooh. And you don't really know where to begin. Mm. Uh, Emma Hayes won Pundit of the Year. Yeah, I got a text from her. I got a text from her. She said, oh my God, I'm sitting here watching Tottenham. And I've just, <laughs> I've got an award. And we, we was doing our congratulations and we've done our stuff. Then we was talking about the game, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I was really pleased for her. Yeah. I was really pleased for her because like, I'm not, yeah, simply because of how good, because people saw us with the Euros and then now people have seen her more. She's doing more co-com and she's fantastic. She's fascinating. And I'm just glad that she's getting the actual recognition she deserves. Just to clarify, is the Sports Journalists Association Awards Pundit of the Year. But right. she's cleaning up. She's, she's like, yeah, winning, yeah, yeah. she's basically like Alexa Pateas of Pundit Awards. <laughs> yes, Like she's getting she everything. She is a Dyson. She's a Dyson, in the, she's a Dyson. She's a Dyson. Hoover Dyson? In the, she's, she's a Dyson. She's hoovering up everything. And, oh, and you know, gosh. long may it continue for her. I don't 100%. care if she does an ant and deck on it. 
You know, because we know that there was some ant and deck business going on last night. People oh, winning for the word. fifth year straight, but only as long as it's people who deserve it and they are really genuinely doing good stuff. I'm delighted for her. No, delighted real talk. Her. You can see the shift though. There's a you know, the young young members inside, a bit more diverse crowd. Not in mm. the awards, not in the awards, but that will come eventually, yeah. I think. But yeah. although Gary Neville's overlap. That the age group of the team that won that, I think most yes. of them were under like twenty five. So that was okay. good. Yeah, <laughs> but everyone company. else was like, everyone else was like plus forty. But can you, talking about the Gary Gary Neville stuff, did you see the start of the, the Reservoir Dogs start? Mister White, Mister Pink, Mister oh, when they're my. walking across the pitch. What a rascals going on with Sky, bro? What they did? I saw them walking across the pitch, man. Like, I was wow. like, what? I was like, who? The way what, boys, we've, we've, got a, we've got a drone so what we're going to do is we're going to have you walk because they walked yeah. straight and then they turned yeah. I was then like, they oh turned. my gosh I said you know what I mean and then what you're hoping is because the, the way they build these games up can I tell you what that, that, that was like on the weekend the Man City Man United game honestly it was Amir Khan and Kel Brook <laughs> That's what that fucking match was. One was coming with pure vibes and one came ready to cause all sorts of mayhem that's what that that's what that reminded me of someone just walking through them that's the it's the perfect analogy the first half united did play well in parts of that first yeah, but half the, yeah but Amir Khan landed a couple of punches yeah he landed, but, and that's why it's the perfect analogy because when you look at those two careers right like Amir Khan was the poster child he went to the Olympics yeah. that was United so you know right. Fergie yeah. doing so many great things yes, noisy neighbours there watching on he's like I need to get my chance and then you know when, when the City fans are piping up it's like listen you're small you're not, you can't do anything to us then you get out one moment you just Man City was clubber lying in Rocky 3 while, while Rocky was doing his stuff with people listen Man City was clubbing lang just waiting, chasing, waiting. Come on, fool! You don't know where I'm coming from. <laughs> and then obviously, what happened in the studio? The less said, the better. I, I thought, honestly, when you was watching it, because because I work with Roy, and I know when he goes to a place of um, okay, I'm serious now. Let me just let me go into it because deep down, that man loves United. Whatever, whatever he's saying, whatever he says, and you know, he's. he's He's got his reasons why he left and he's vexed, but let me tell you something. He loves United. And when they, when they play, especially like that, when he says they stop running, like Gary Neville said, they stop running. They he gave a quite an impassioned and informative speech about what the dressing room's like. And like I said, he's a seven-time Premier League winner of arguably one of the best teams ever to grace the Premier League on a, on a, on a consistent basis. And so, after, so when Micah laughed like that, Instantly, I thought, whoa, that, because I know Roy. So I know how he would have felt in that moment. And when, when you saw Roy's face, that's when I thought, oh, okay. He's kind. Look at his face, bro. He didn't <laughs> like that, man. He didn't like that. You know, when you get people talking about that like, gentrification in the area, that's what Roy's mm. like. Because he's like, listen, you don't understand what it was like before everything <laughs> came and changed. I'm trying to tell you something and you're laughing and you're just here with your bloody custard. Was, it's like, where's the market? Where's the marketplace? Where's honestly, the lady selling the oranges? Honestly. Like he cares so much. Yeah, he does. But people don't understand because they wasn't there to see it. And mm. sometimes when I think about it, like I think about like the young average football fan now who KDB is like the goat. And it's like, yes. that's what they've seen. They haven't yeah. really seen like the years of dominance that United had and what Roy Keane done. And it's like, you don't understand yeah. why this guy is angry. You see people that's see why like, oh. he's vexed. Yeah. Like yesterday with the Everton and Tottenham game and Tottenham played with them. Knowing Frank as well as I do, I feel sorry for him because even when he, when they, when they, when they appointed him for it, Flo, I was nervous. 
I, was I think we did a show together and we were both talking about the fact yeah. that we did not think it was a good idea. Just nervous. <laughs> and I, I just want, I just want him to be able to turn something around. But like Jamie, Jamie Carragher said, yes, that is a championship defense. You know, poor Seamus, Seamus Coleman's at the stage of his career now where, you know, I, I thought John Joe Kent, like Kenny would be there now. I thought he'd be the right back for them now. You know, it's, 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 from that, but Michael Keane, again, you know what I mean? He's positioning and, you know, he got taken off yesterday, some injury, but like that guy is an England international. Their midfield are so easy to get through. You know, no creativity. You know, you, you, you look at it and you think to yourself, for someone taking that job, you think, okay, what have I got here? What have I got here? What have I got to work with? And then thinking that you may have monies. We don't know what's happening now with, mm. with Mishuri and Usmanov's money. Now that's frozen. We don't know what's going to go on with Everton because like I say, Mishuri was just like passing it out, man. Like he was at the club, bro. He was just <laughs> flicking it off. Bands were flying. Honestly. And so <laughs> you're thinking to yourself with the way it's being run at the moment and, and they had money and they were running and they were being run pretty poorly. Now you're feeling like, well, what's happening with your money? Where are you going? What's happening? Are they going to be coached out of this situation? As it, does that look? Does it look to you like they're going to be coached out of the situation? Doesn't it's, look like it to me at the moment. Difficult. They it's, are in a relegation battle. When you look at Everton as a club, it is kind of like one of one of how not to do football. Like, mm. do you remember the time when they spent like two hundred million on like seven or eight different iterations of the same player? It's oh, like they're just <laughs> when it's like, like Gilfi and all them man. Yeah, 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 just bad guys. <laughs> Gilfie, like, what was the other guy? There was another guy that Cla- Classen, Classen, Rooney, yes, all of these guys, play. like just different iterations of like different variants. The football inside, and it's it's always been questionable. And Everton fans have been raising this flag for so long, saying that like, we have money, but we don't have footballing people in the building. And with the Premier League, we've seen it over the years. When you try and adapt, because everyone's in this position where like, we're comfy, but we want to push forward. I remember mm. when Stoke did it, trying to get some, you know, some flaring and they just went down because ultimately yeah. you tried to sacrifice two league positions for style of football and you dropped down. Mm. Everyone tried to, you know, a little bit of je ne sais quoi, a bit of peri-peri sauce. And now it's oh just like God. plummeting. And the worst thing about it is this was an inside job by a man who's not going to get the blame for it. Frank's going to go down for this crime. Mm-hmm. But the man before him did a lot of the damage here. Let's 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 put that straight. If Frank, if yeah, they, they've <laughs> had, they've had so many managers. Each manager's had different requests transfer wise, and then they've put that to a chaotic hierarchy who listen to some of the requests and do their own thing mm. on the side. And I think so much of as well, you, what you said, Mo, is about brand as well. Yeah, they've so focused. And I think this is a problem when you've got big rich owners in the building. So much of it is about ego that they're driven by getting a star signing that makes mm. them feel good. Doesn't necessarily make sense in, from yeah. a football perspective. And I think that Everton is key example of that. They're going to chase Hamas Rodriguez because he's a big name. You know, th- that, that makes he's them look good. Instagram the fans, you yeah. got yeah. more Instagram followers in the club. The fans will, you know, think that we mean business, but in reality doesn't make sense on the pitch. Yeah. Or he'll check out after the season. And the issue they've got now is there's good caliber players there. It's about one, can you get them together? And two, they're probably looking at it and saying, this club's never been down before. The club's in a bit of a state. Mm. It, we've got a lot of hard fixtures here. The, 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 the manager, you know, he's been out of the game for a while. Like he, if we go down, that might be my ticket out of anyway. For being yeah, really exactly. honest. Yeah. And if you haven't been in that spot before, you're really not going to be used to well, what it takes. Everton, not, Everton, are not, they, Everton have not, not been, been in that spot before. No. You know, Frank, Frank has not really 
been that spot before, um, if we're going to be totally honest. Um, with his football career, with his managerial career, with Derby, you know, he was in and around. He wasn't fighting down. It's a different pressure because even, I, I, even when, you're playing against, when you play against a team in their, in their current form and their stature, the Everton players are afraid. They're now looking around the dressing and say, well, who's going to get us out of it? Is it Richarlison? Is it Dominic? Calvert-Lewin? Who's going to help us? Is it Decore? You know what I mean? Is, is it uh, Pickford? Who, who, yesterday, you know, you can see that, that second goal, which was a, a, from Son, the, the goal from Son was he should save it. You keep your team in it for a bit. Let them hang on. See if they can get in the game. But then bam, they concede again. Bam, they concede again. Do you think it's, do you think though the difference is, is that with England, he trusts the players in front of him because they've done it together as a unit. But with Everton, he knows there is no hope for the defenders in front of him. So he's, he's, he's on his own. It's a solo project. It's Paul McCartney and the Wings. It's not, <laughs> no, not Jordan Pickford <laughs> and Everton FC. There's a Kepa complex at Everton for sure. It's like yeah. he knows that he like, you know, when there was a time where Kepa, you know, now he's in a better place, but there's a time where if you're playing Chelsea, it's like, listen, if I have a crack from here, no one's going to press. Mm. No one's going to do it. It's going to fly. He's got that complex at Everton, whereas at England, because the way, you know, England play and everything, no one's just going to start popping off. By Everton, people just know that. It's kind of like on FIFA. Like there's a, there was a time on FIFA, there was a patch. If you took three shots at the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper got tired and the next one would go in. <laughs> <laughs> like that with Peck, like if you keep trying after one, they're just going to fly in. But can I, I say though, man, wait, with that, 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 that particular strike, you know, wh- whatever you do in respects of saying, oh, I don't trust them and I don't, oh gosh, that You've got he's to save suppo- he's got, Yeah, he's got to get more behind yeah. that. And those are the things where in this moment, you've got the defenders who are, afraid that if he gets a shot, he's going to let it in. You've got him who's afraid of defenders because he doesn't think they're good enough. You know, it's, you, you've got the front men looking back saying, oh, what am I doing, man? These, these lot ain't going to help me. I can't even get the ball. Everybody in that team is looking at each other. And if we, back in my time, were getting ready to play a team in that predicament, and especially even if you're going you to play- You can smell blood, can't easily, you? Easily, yeah. easily. Because what happens is you, you sit in a tunnel with them you know what I mean? They've got nervous laughter. They do that. Come on, come on, let's go. And you think to yourself, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll see. You go out and the crowd are with them. The crowd are with them for the first 10 minutes. This is where you hear people say things like, listen, George Graham would say, listen, 20 minutes. I'm not bothered about anything going forward. They do not score. They do not score. We'll do what we do. You know, if we create something scoring that time, it's even better. But what you're doing is you're making that crowd, you're, you're, you're calling the crowd, you're stopping them, you're smashing into them because what they're going to do is that they will be going in to see if you fancy it because they are desperate. They want to see people who don't fancy it. And, if you, and, and when you show them that you do fancy it, all of a sudden you start seeing them backing off more and more. And then before you know it, you score the goal and the game is literally over because they're broken. That's where Everton are now and that's why they... They collapsed like they did. They collapsed so quick. They folded like a deck chair. And you hear, you hear the, the crowd turn as well. I think yeah. it reminds me a lot of watching QPR like oh, over no. the last sort of 10 years or so. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so- I mean, we, we, it's, been, it's been a good season, so we haven't had too much of that this mm. season. But uh, uh, those, those days, I think, especially when Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was in charge and any single time the ball went backwards, there'd be a groan oh, in, yeah. the, in the stadium because mm. people would want forward, forward passes. They want... But like positive play and I feel with, like with Everton 
they need, they're so desperate to see something in that side mm. that like you said, Ian, they'll be positive, yeah. loud, mm-hmm. aggressive for 20 minutes. But if they don't see a product out of those first 20 minutes, if the other them. team hold it's them off, literally saps it saps out. they out drop, they drop. And, and then any anything that's not positive, there'll be a groan, there'll be a moan and the crowd will start to turn. And I've seen that so you, much at Loftus Road. Do you know what's so like heartbreaking for Everton as well? Because I remember last year when Steve Bruce, you know, Newcastle did their thing. Like Willock was the player out of nowhere for them that, you know, mm. hit the ground running. With Evan, they're probably looking at their squad thinking, all of you guys should be able to do this. Like Richarlison, mm. you you know, you can get yeah. 10 goals this season. DCL, yeah. you can come back and do so. So they can't even look to someone and be like one person, ah, oh, who's going to do it? Because they're looking at all of their players thinking, it should be there. Like we shouldn't be yeah. in this situation. And I think that's where it's more dangerous when you know that you shouldn't be in a situation, but you can't fight out of it. You know, you look at someone like Andros Townsend, you know, Damari Gray, unfortunately, started very well, injured at the moment. He's got the kind of game and he's got that kind of je ne sais quoi, like you mentioned there, Mayo, where he could just flip a game on his head with what he's done. I mean, he done it mm. to us. He done it to us at Everton when we went up there, when they beat us. Man turned into a, he turned into like prime Ronaldinho <laughs> off the wing. He's got that in him. But like, I think Everton... Now they're right in the midst of a, of, of, of a, of a, of a relegation. But yes, they can. They can because I not longer. I said Brentford. I was worried for Brentford. Obviously, Christian Eriksen coming in there and God, you know what I mean. Brilliant, delighted for him coming in. And he's given them something. I watched them against um, Norwich, and yes, it's Norwich. But like, you can see that players are more confident of going past him when the ball goes to him. They were like five, ten yards further up the pitch because once the ball goes to him, he's going to make sure it gets to where it's going to go is, you know, and when you looked at Brentford before, they, they haven't got that player. Yeah. You know, give him the ball. It's going to be, it's going to go somewhere where we're going to be progressing. Coutinho had the same effect on Villa. Exactly it's like Villa. the Barclays yeah. number 10 yeah. have come back. The, the Evans situation, it is mm. scary because you look at the teams around them, like Newcastle have caught form. They're flying. Mm. Burnley have done something which I think is remarkable. Your rival took your striker, you know, mm. who's not even playing for them, but you managed mm. to make it work. They're doing well. Their mm. next games, they've got Wolves at home who don't mm. score but don't concede. You've got mm. Newcastle, which is essentially a six-point or West Ham, who are still trying to thrive for Europe. Yep. United, who will want to, you know, just yeah, feast on you. Good. And then that you've got Liverpool as well. So next five games, with, a, with an FA Cup against Palace in that as well, which, which may be a distraction, mm. you may not pick up points in that. And suddenly yeah. it becomes, frank, it, it, the, yeah, the lights become very bright. The fans yes, get more yeah. anxious. Yeah. The talk about, you know, never being relegated, but this may be the first time heightens. It could get very, very sticky for the Toffees. I just it's gonna be it's gonna be wild if if it if they go down, it would be you think? wild. I've got to say Tottenham again, they, they can do what they done yesterday. And then, and then go and lose two the next game. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know what to make of Tottenham, but one thing I will say of Tottenham just to, before you sign off is Harry Kane in that mood. It's frightening. It's almost, when you think about Harry Kane, right? Scoring those amount of goals and having nothing to show for it is always going to feel a bit... Listen, man, don't go there, bro. <laughs> leave Harry until he's... Just Harry think about England. Stop. Think look about England. My, that's all I do. I just face. think about England. I focus yeah. on England and Harry Kane. That's all I do. If, if Harry Kane could just else. get one... If he could get a medal for England... That, I'm happy. Exactly. And I will, I will back him to the he needs, end. I'll, he buy him, I'll buy him the medal from like Party Palace if yes. I have to. Yes. What's the Denzel Washington thing? Like, I'm leaving here with something. Like, he, he just that, needs to that's leave. Harry Kane. Yeah, he man, just needs I'm to leave with something because someone that's that sort of goal scorer, yeah, got to leave with something.
with Harry, I think he, he could catch Rooney. I don't think he could catch Shearer. Shearer's deep down, he must be thinking, ah, is the man's a bit nervous, a bit nervous, you know what I mean? I'm a bit, a bit shaky, you know what I mean? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> That's what Alan is, man, oi. I tell you what, I'm a bit nervous, I'm a bit shaky, but I'm a bit wooey. <laughs> the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe plug-in hybrid is built for the best of both worlds. For the city buzz, for the call of the wild, for finding solitude, for sharing memories, for day trips, and for far-roaming adventures. Because with gas and electric capability, the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe inspires you to explore more, to explore it all. Tap the banner to learn more. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. So we're recording this on International Women's Day. Tomorrow is the Let Girls Play session, which will be the biggest ever girls session across the UK. Very, very important moment as well, Flo. I've done some stuff yesterday for, for Steve Wright. Um, me and Kelly done some, um, some stuff um, talking about it. and. It's, for me, it's, it's, it's massive. It's a massive thing. It's something that needs to be done. Like we say, we want to try and get um, girls to be able to play football whenever they want from 2024. That's what me and Barclays and, and Kelly are trying to do. And to be honest, it's, it's on track. This is a massive thing. Let's put, let's put it on track. Yes, yeah, it's, it's huge. And I think... I think if you are a, a man, I think you don't quite realise no. like the ease and access to football yep. that you have just because of your gender, just because of, you know, the the kind of um, the lottery of birth, which, you know, we talk a lot about in society at the moment for various mm. different reasons. But I think when you talk about football, you just talk about going to school and having that opportunity yeah. to play, whether it's in a social sense with your mates or even yep. in a kind of more formalised PE or after school thing as well. And I think for a lot of girls, the reality is you don't get the opportunity. No. I had that briefly at primary school, but didn't have it at secondary school. There was no option to play football at mm. secondary school. And luckily that's shifted a lot in the last couple of years and is continuing to shift with the work that the Barclays but are doing as well. And it, it's going to be huge. It's going to be mm. huge for the future of the game to just change that. The legacy is so important, right? Yeah. Like, it's vitally important, Mayara. You, 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 you listen to pros talk about how their careers have, you know, come to be and their pathways and you hear them say stuff like, oh yeah, to, in order to train and everything, I was going to the nearest city, which was, you know, mm. 50 miles away or something. And it's like, yeah. you sit and you think to yourself, a, a young boy's um, pathway into academy football is nothing like that. If you want to go to mm. Chelsea, it's around the corner, you do this and do that. Mm. Going, a sense of excellence, that's not even in your city. It's insane that to even think yep. that that yeah, the, the world yeah. the world wide west of academy boys football is like you've got three ubers waiting outside the playground exactly. to pick up an eight-year-old yeah, to take guys, them to spurs exactly. yeah, like yeah, it's but insane is, but when you look at it Mayola, is that even 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 the girls they can't even themselves get a ball and why should they shouldn't have to play with the boys yeah they couldn't when i was younger i never saw a girl get a ball and go downstairs and play with her friends mm. none of them could do that none of them could do that whereas I could play at school, at the youth club, with my mates, at everywhere. I, I, football's accessible to me. And when you look at the professional girls now and the ladies, every single one of them has got a story of travel. And, yep. you know, it's not there. It's not, it's not available. And what, what we do is, as boys and that is we take it for granted that it's there. And that is what we're trying to make sure that we put in place for women. Especially like we've got the Euros coming up. Can you imagine we've got the Euros? 
And these young girls who don't watch football, all of a sudden they watch football. England do amazingly well, which we hope they do. And they're totally inspired by people like Lauren Hemp and everybody like that. And then Monday or Tuesday, they go to school. It still haven't Nowhere got. Yeah. They still haven't got. Like some, some schools, what is it? 40% of schools do after school, after extracurricular football after school. And 63% might do it in PE. It's not enough. And if I was, think when you think about it. it, it wouldn't be enough. I think if you think about it in really like real terms that if you think about maths and English, right, mm. you wouldn't say, right, boys, you're learning about geometry and then girls will only do fractions or mm. something like that. Like, whereas when you think about PE and sport at school, it's always split by gender, but mm. actually it makes absolutely no sense. You don't do that in any other subject. You're only deciding to do that in PE. And I think doing this is, is going to have a massive impact, not just on football uh, in school and girls' opportunity to play it, but I think across the whole kind of curriculum when it comes to PE and also people's perceptions, because right now perceptions in school, we're mm. still in a case where boys will really dominate the playground space. Yep, they'll really yep. dominate the outdoor space. Yep. But giving girls the opportunity to play football will challenge that as well. And we'll get young boys and, and young people at school more accepting of sharing that space sharing with girls space, and yes. saying that you, you are valid in your in your want to, to play football in the playground mm-hmm. with us and we'll we'll share that with you Absolutely. rather you know than love. taking over the space. Behind what? you, you've got that lovely piece of art which says women's football and the woman's got the cross in it. And that's what it should mm-hmm. be, right? Football should be football, football for everyone. Football, and the, the, the reality the of what we've got- should be for everyone. Exactly. And the reality we've got at the moment is even when there is like provision, like we've seen the amount of AstroTurf being built has gone up and everything. Even when there is provision, women- Football for young girls or women is sort of pigeonholed. Okay, you've got this yeah. one hour on a Sunday. And it's like, no, why is it 99% booked up by men and young boys? Mm. And then you've just got this small thing. No, it should be, if there's access, people should have access. No one should have priority mm. because you're a man. Like, that's mm. not how it is. The game is for everyone. Therefore, the access should be for everyone. And hopefully, you know, with these initiatives and everything that's happening and people really speaking about it. And right, you know, and we give a lot of flowers, like, you know, to people, but you've got mm. to take a lot of flowers in general because the way you you I, I don't call you an advocate for women's football you just genuinely love it and speak about love it and it. you doing it has been so influential yeah. because let's be real there's a lot of people that t- they tie themselves to it because it's you know there's a euros coming or it's, it's yeah. the next thing so let me put it you actually care about this and the change that you've managed to implement whether it's within the media space or these campaigns uh-huh. is so pivotal so can I tell you something as well Mayo? It's, um, and it's, it's happened again the other day I was in the office and and this is when, when, when you talk about racism and white people having to stand up for people um, when black people are not there and stuff like that. I totally got it the other day because I've been, it happened the other day and it happens to me a lot because a lot of people see me now in and around the game, the women's game. And when, when you hear how they speak, it, may, it puts me in that room where you think, well, I need to speak up now. I say, listen, the amount of them I've had to tell, you know, that women were stopped from playing simply because there was 50,000 women in 1921 and men thought, oh, they're going to take the spotlight away from men, so we're going to ban women. So that's how that started. Then it started back in 1971. Remember, women weren't even allowed to play on FA affiliated pitches. What not? Why? Just because. And so when you try to explain to people why, I'm not doing it because um, we want Barclays and me want the next elite player. We want girls to have the opportunity to play just because they want to play. And right, when, I, when you explain it to people like that, it's everybody's right to play football. It's the people's game. People. 
they have every right to play. And the only thing is when you sit down with someone like Kelly Smith and then Kelly Smith tells me her story and I always go on about, <laughs> I couldn't get to play because I was rejected and none of the teams wanted me. And I'm really, Kelly couldn't even play when she was seven. They stopped her from playing with the team because she was too good. Where did she go? She couldn't go anywhere because she didn't have no one to play with. I can't even imagine and get into her headspace as a seven, eight-year-old and I can't play football, right? So my love for the game is no more than Kelly's was, just because I'm a guy. Kelly had to find it, man. There should be a film on her. There should be a film on her and how she... Maybe if they made a film, a proper film about women's struggle to get to play football from someone like, <clears throat> excuse me, Kelly Smith's point of view, maybe people understand why it's so important for me and it's so important for people to see that women should get the opportunity to play. Simple as that. I just want people to play football because I love football. Like Lolan Roxanne. You know what I mean? We went to the game the other day. Arsenal beat Birmingham. I mean, the girls were watching. And then the girls like, I remember said, oh, great touch. And then my girls just, just out of the blue, even when it wasn't a great touch, were saying, oh, great touch. I said, that wasn't a great touch. <laughs> you can't just say great touch. It's not something you just Be say. Be a student great. of the game, guys. Yeah, Be a student of the so game. Then, what's it called? Then they say, so then they're saying, Lola was saying, when should I say great touch? I said, when somebody makes it controlled. So you have to, I love the fact that I have to break it down. Someone makes it controlled and it stops dead and it's like, oh, that's really good. And so then one time she said, great touch. And I said, yes, that's a great touch. And then Roxanne said, great touch. I said, no. <laughs> but then after, then after, then they went inside because they wanted hot chocolate. And I was sitting in front of Serena Vigman and I just kind of went, I don't think my girls are going to be footballers. I think they're going to be spectators. <laughs> Which I said is fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's 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 the crux of it, right? Is yeah. that not everyone has to like football. We, yeah. you know, as as football obsessed people, that you know, the game has changed all our lives in different ways. We understand that football's not for everyone. It's yes. fine if you don't have to love it, but everyone deserves the, the right and the opportunity to try it. And that's 100%. that's the key thing here is that lots of girls have been denied that, and mm -hmm. and now it's time for them to get that opportunity to to work out if it is and for them. And we and know well. that school and education yeah. is going to be the forefront of that. You know, of you know from your experience how those those experiences at school, your teachers, yes. they are life-defining moments on yeah. and off the pitch. And it's, you need that. I'm I, I, I don't think that um, we should spend our time and waste our time worrying about the negative comments and from men. We've got more than enough people now that are be behind this, the, the movement and the women's game. We don't need to be worrying about trying to influence me. Oh, please like it. No. We've got more than enough people. With, in fact, even more so, we'll do this over here. I just can't wait to see the the, the legacy of the work that's been put in now in the last few years, yeah. the legacy of that and what that yeah. looks in a few years, whether it's players playing for England, whether it's the infrastructure within the women's game, how that diversifies and becomes so powerful. Yeah. That's what's going to be amazing because ultimately people would have had opportunity and therefore they're able to do something with it. Like you said, yes. 50 years to take something away from the game. Yes. You go to any league and any of the top five leagues and say, you know what? Let's just pull the plug on that for 50 years and see what happens. Jesus. You'd be shocked. Do it for five years and see what happens. Yeah. 50 years. What did they 50. It's, 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 yeah, it's the people that understand it and are spreading the good word. It's amazing. You're always going to get people that are just going to be, let's be honest, misogynistic. Because mm. that exists in football. Let's let's not beat around the bush. There's just people that are misogynistic, but that will 
push them to the side, the light will shine brightly. And it's just about mm. continuing to spread the good word. And that's what we got to do. Continue to spread the good word, man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist-recommended facial moisturizer brand. You know something, before we go, I want to give a little bit of love to Bakayo Sacco, kind of maybe a small bunch of flour, potpourri. I'll give him some potpourri. It's like back, Bakayo Sacco, 20 years old, right? He's the youngest player to score 20 goals in all competitions for Arsenal since Cesc Fabregas. Um, 2007. He's so good. He's, He's so You know, good. I was listening to, I was listening to Five Live on the drive back from the Arsenal women's game and they had the commentary of the Watford Arsenal game. Mm. Honestly, I would say 70% of the commentary was what? just them talking about how good Saka was. Oh my gosh. They were just, I can't remember who, I think it was Colin McNamara and I can't remember who the co-coms was, but they were just, they, they ran out of words to describe him. Yeah. It was, it was silky. It was classy. It mm. was controlled. It was uh, just endless words yeah, about how incredible he was. Yeah. Just do, you know, do you know what endless. I love about him? Because you've, you've, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that specific stat in regards to Fabregas. But you look at Saka's sort of progression with Arsenal. He mm. came in, played fullback, did well, getting assists yeah. and everything. Went away with England, did all that stuff. There's talk about, you know, what's his best position? He's getting used everywhere. He had a little bit where, you know, there was no goals or assists for a little while. Mm. I think in the Premier League of the season, it's eight goals, five assists. Mm. He's reached his zone, and I call it the, I'm him. He's reached the I'm him zone where he looks around and he goes. No, no, it's me. It's, it's me. me. I'm it's the me. guy. It's me. It's me. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's all of us, but but it's me. And he's, he's a humble guy. He just, you know, yeah. I saw him halftime when he was coming off. He's speaking to Cedric. He's like, listen, we've got to get mm. into the game. I said, yeah. yeah, you know it's you. And that level of confidence, you just feel like your shoulders just like go up. There's nothing you know the, wrong that you can do. Yeah. The finish as well. You know, he's usually like oh, sad foot assured. He said, mm, no, it was, I'm, like, I'm yeah. rotting this. Yeah, he did. <laughs> That's exactly what he done. And you know what's, the other thing is like, it's a great point you make there, Mayo, about looking around and thinking, well, you know something? I am him. I'm the, I'm the guy. You know what I mean? I'm the guy in this dressing room at the moment. And for him to be that guy at that age, and it made me think about, um, young players like I didn't have too many young players that came in like 16 seven, like 17 when I was playing at, Ars at Arsenal but went for England I think Lee Sharp came in at about 18 19 and you know it's, it's really strange because us as the, um, the older players the senior players he was just like we were talking about him at, at breakfast and at dinner and that because he was going past people and doing things, one touch, shots, you know, um, delivery, everything what you, you see an established top pro doing is like doing it like 19. And that's why I called, I, I called him the wonder kid. And he was very calm and very cool with it. You know what I mean? But like, 
it's the way that the experienced players would talk about him um, when he's not around. Because obviously you have to try and make sure that a man keeps his, his feet on the ground. And this may be one of the things that you worry about with Saka, but because he's so, like you mentioned, Mayo, humble and he's not getting carried away with it. You don't feel that there's many people in the dressing room that will have to like put him in his place. You don't feel like he's that guy. And I feel that with Lee Sharp, there wasn't anybody who would like knock him down and try and say, oi, watch yourself, such and such kid. You remember, you're... no one done that to him because he never got, he never stepped out of the line. Unless there was one time, there was one time, I must admit, when we went away with England and we had to do this go-karting and he must have beat people by like fucking five, six laps. He was killing people. <laughs> And like he, was, like, he was having himself there, but then you're able to slaughter him and say, watch yourself, you're not even old enough to be driving. Stuff like that. But like, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is how you, you talk about him, but you don't talk about him while he's there because he's so good. And you want to make sure that he feels like he's just one of the guys. Saka being in that dressing room, what makes me feel like so pleased and so proud of how he is, is because I don't think he's got that many people around him that can do that. So he's doing it himself. That that story, um, it reminds me a bit of um, I think it was Frank Noble who was speaking recently oh, yeah. on the podcast. Someone who was talking about how that man Gail had Kukuta. such a massive. Uh, such, everybody thought that he was going to be the one, huh, Frank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was talking about um, Gail Kakuta, how mm. they went to train with the first team, and then Kakuta and him got called into a game. And this time where Paulo Ferreira still there. So Kakuta's got the ball. He's done one or two players. He's gone to Paulo Ferreira. He's gone past him, then dragged it back and nutmegged him. Oh, Jesus. And then bro. after the session, Paulo Ferreira's turned around and said, he can't, he can't be trusted. He can't play with us anymore. <laughs> and that's the And it's like, you, you think about those moments of when like, there's an awakening of a young player and everyone knows that this is him. But you then have to look at Arsenal, what Arsenal have been through this season. Then you have to look at Arteta and say, you know what? all of it starts to make sense. Mm. There's not a lot of senior players at Arsenal. Yeah. He's deliberately gone young. It is a risky strategy. And it has been a thing where you thought with young players, they have dip in form. But look at the way he's managed ESR. Look at the way he's managed Odegaard. Like he's kind of Odegaard. put them in situations where I'm not going to, I'm not going to take too much out of you. I'm going to put you in. If I need to take you out. I'll mm. rest you. do this. Mm. And so he's not going to have anyone knocking his head or trying to think, hold on, you're getting too big for your boots. And the one person that, you know what, people have hit their opinions in him, but I love, I love Lacquer. I love Contract Lacquer. Lacquer's the perfect Contract person. <laughs> he is the perfect person to have in the room to be like, listen, Bakayo, you're such a good kid. Keep going. Like, he doesn't seem like he's going to be threatened by this young one's um, come up. Yeah. He seems like, if anything, you doing well does well for me. It does. You're going to do my running. You're going to get the goals. I could just be here to facilitate. Well, it's going to be interesting happy. to see how they do that because like his position is vitally important to everything what we're doing because you look at the two assists he had. Unless we're going to get that person, um, you know what I mean? Then you think to yourself, sure, maybe we can give Lacquer another year or another two. Lacquer's got to stay around, man. It's I think Lacquer's got to stay around, man, because like, like he, you can see, you can see his little back flick, his little back heel like assist. Man's feeling he's got, the vibe. He's, a, he's got a second wave. I he's feel got a second so. Wave. I feel so flow. I think and he has. It's um, it it is crazy because you look at sort of you know how players left and everything, but when you look at the bigger picture of what's happening, when you like you said, since Fabregas, that is the level he's operating at. Remember wow. when Fabregas came through and how Fabregas was carrying Arsenal for years and years and years, and he had to do that by himself. Saka won't have to do it by himself because he's got mm. the other young boys that are yeah. doing stuff. It, you've got to give credit to Arteta. You, you yeah, really do. To. Like people yeah. thought he, must, he might have lost his way and everything, but 
the plan looked, the suffering was necessary. It was, it was. I didn't think it was at the time, but now, <laughs> now I look back, Mayoa, I, I feel better for, for the suffering. Honestly. Because honestly, like it's now, exciting. can I be t- totally honest as well? When, when your team wins, right? When your team wins on the weekend, there is something that you just feel a little bit lighter, a little bit happier. You kind of like- Totally. You just, it's, you know, it's a whole different weekend when, when really your team is, wins. It really is, man. Do you know really what the worst is. thing is though? It's losing that 12 o'clock kickoff. Oh, that can Jesus. really mess up your whole weekend. Yeah, that you messes sit your with whole it all yeah. weekend. Can we we got to mention Erdegaard as well. Did you see Erdegaard for the first goal? And for, er, for Erdegaard's goal, the back heel, the back heel, what he done, then went in and got it to, to finish. You're thinking to yourself, again, Erdegaard, man, man's, he's not, he's not actually, he's, he's floating over the pitch at the moment. He's floating over the grass, man. Floating over the grass. Martinelli's goal. Everything what you're seeing about the way Saka's playing, the way Martinelli finished, the way Erdegaard's playing, the way Lacquer's playing with the back. There is, it's happening. There's a vibe, there's a confidence and they're starting to believe. Let me tell you something. When you look at Man United and you look at Tottenham and you think to yourself, I don't know what's going to happen with West Ham. If Arsenal can, if Arsenal can stay in there, it would be amazing. But I, I still say, if they, get, if they go six after the two eights last season, finishing eights, I'll be still happy with that because I know progress is happening. Progress is happening. And I don't want people to get carried away with it just because of what other teams are doing. You know, we've just got to keep doing what we're doing because we've got some fucking tough games coming up. No, and it's going it to, yeah, it's going it to say, a lot, it's gonna say a lot about us. It's going to say a lot about us. There's going to be rough moments. You know what I mean? There's going to be rough moments. It's going to be tough, but. There's rough moments in everything. This is it. This is it. That I don't see how any Arsenal fan cannot be excited by what they're seeing and ultimately there's nothing wrong with the objective changing during the season like you're taking advantage of some teams being poor but you're being really good if you didn't make fourth it's not a failure but right now you'd say you're the front runners for it because ultimately everything is going to plan and it would be very disappointing my old because you don't want to get so close it's like Apollo 13 (laughs) they got there and they had to go round the moon they couldn't even go on it because the spaceship was fucking broken I don't want to go round the moon I want to go on the moon man so Arsenal are close to having Saka and Smith Rowe both on 10 goals in the Premier League oh my gosh in the same season that's amazing that is insane when you take is, out is, a goal is scorer is Saka Tom Hanks in Apollo 13 it is Tom uh, Hanks in that movie yes yeah, Tom Hanks yeah. and then you've got Kevin Bacon oh maybe Saka's Kevin Bacon Arteta's Tom Hanks Tom maybe Hanks. Arteta, Arteta's got to be he's the flight controller oh yes yeah, <laughs> he's Ed Harris back at Houston yeah. you know what I mean so I think there's another guy in the, in the cockpit there's three guys in the cockpit it's Bill Paxton Kevin Bacon and, and, and Tom Hanks so I'm going to say I'm going to probably have to say um, Saka is, is, is Tom Hanks. That's a good Bacon shot. Bacon is ESR and Bill Paxton is Erdogan. Love that. But, and, and they're going to land on the fucking moon, my they're friends. They're going to fucking <laughs> land on the moon. They're not going around it. <laughs> they're landing not on the moon. They're going around it. They're landing on that bad boy. <laughs> nice one. Listen, man. I'm yes, going to have to leave you guys. Guys, you're going to have to, in fact, you're going to, I'm going to have to kick you out. Right. Righty House Juniors, it's been fun. Thank yeah. you very much. The crash is now closed. Yeah, my mum's coming on quick and you don't got to go. <laughs> oh I'll my see gosh. you next week. Love see you guys. See you later. I love you, man. Love you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to Mayawa Quadri. Thank you very much, Flo Lloyd Hughes. Thanks for listening, everybody. You'll see you again next week. Like I say, it's nice when your team wins. I hope your team wins because I want you lot to feel like I feel right now. Really happy. Take it easy until then. 